Yo, 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 what is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Diet Starts Monday podcast, and it is fight night. <laughs> Joining me on the side of the octagon is my co-host, Joel, and a friend of ours stepping in for Jason Chapman, Mr. Reshnell. Thank you so much for coming. Hello. Welcome, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you so much for organizing our guest today, Mr. Don Madge. Thank you for joining us. Sure, thanks, guys. Good to be here. <laughs> Where were you guys this weekend? I saw you went away. What was the previous weekend? We're allowed to disclose that information. Well, like, I won't give the exact <laughs> location, but it was out, uh, near Ceres. Okay. Yeah, we just got a nice little, a little pause there with the dam. It's good. We yeah. don't want to, we don't want to disclose the location because I think we were the first people to actually use the place. Okay. And like, I know that, and it was like, is it a maze place or what's it? No, no, no. It was just like a random house that we found on like one of the booking sites and, it seemed like they undercharged us like heavily. And so we don't want to like reveal where it is. <laughs> once they realize like how much more they could charge, uh, like, we probably won't get that rate again. You don't want it to make it like <laughs> no, 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 no. mainstream. No, that's going to be like our spot. Oh, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. And so this is seven years, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, nice. Yeah, yeah literally the, the entire farm, two cottages, a dam, water slide. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. It was a whole farm. We had the whole farm. Crazy. Yeah, that's going to be that thick of the water slide. It looks yeah. sick. Yeah, it was a jaws. And normally they have like a foofy slide there as well. So, but it was out of commission. But like, you can imagine, yeah. it's quite a vibe. Yeah, yeah. Never, never, too, activities. never too old to be a kid as well. No, no, no. And I actually have a kid, so it's I was like nice say, to, yeah. to take him so he can run around. Like, and you had your lighty up there as well? Yeah, yeah. yeah okay, definitely. cool. His name? Mateo. Mateo. Yeah. Nice, nice. Fatherhood. All of our guests recently have recently become fathers so interesting journey there along yeah it's weird like when you get to like a certain age then like all your friends getting married they're getting having kids except for joel and jay (laughs) 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 you you never never failed not to mention that as well that's part of the journey yeah yeah Yeah. everyone gets there eventually i think yeah yeah Yeah. okay so (laughs) before we get into it i just want to tell the listeners who we have across the table Mr. Don Madge is a South African professional mixed martial arts competitor who started his career fighting at Dragon Power in Cape Town. Before moving to Thailand to compete in Muay Thai, he then entered the EFC in 2011 and fought his way through the UFC and the PFL. He has a professional record of 10 wins, one draw, and four losses, fighting out of the right corner. <laughs> <laughs> I've always wanted to do that. He's been practicing for hours. <laughs> He's the founder and head coach at the Madford MMA Gym here in Cape Town, and we look forward to going through this journey and finding out who Don is behind the gloves. Nice. So once again, thank you for joining us. Oh, it's good to be here. So generally how we start, we like to look sort of back at your youth and, you know, what got you into fighting, uh, where were you brought up, where did you live, and sort of take us on a small journey on Don Jr. Mm. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, I started martial arts when I was, I don't know, like, five years old oh wow like really really young my mom made me do karate and judo and all that stuff and um i guess i kind of was always interested in in martial arts it was just something that i always have always done throughout my life and um i uh i was at sax with Rish, sax junior and um you know just like you know, you're a boy in old boy school, you get into like little fights and stuff and you like rowdy, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and you rowdy and you just, you, you kind of like, um, like sort of develop a character, you know, you develop like the type of person I've always been like sort of strong willed and like don't like to be told what to do, always mm-hmm. kind of like against the grain. 
So I guess that kind of like ties into fighting a little bit. You know, I don't like to be told what to do mm. or like, you know, go with the flow. So uh, fighting just kind of came naturally. And then uh, when I was 14, I got introduced to Muay Thai. Okay. And that's when like I really like fell in love with, with like competing as a martial artist. I always did like karate tournaments and judo things and like, but I never, I was never like super, super into it. It was just like, I enjoyed it. And then, um, I started Muay Thai, like fell in love with it and had my first fight, like within six months of training. So we're going back to the karate. Was it the first sport you did or was that the, uh, did you only do martial arts baseball? No, 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 no. I played rugby. I played okay, did all the rest, just, like all, all everything. Yeah. But like, I, I always, I've never really been like super into like team sports. Mm. I did it because it was like, you know, what everyone did. Like, mm. but it was never something that I was like super into because. I mean, now as an adult, I can kind of justify why it's because, you know, I can have a great game and you guys can have a shit game and we fucking lose. And I'm like, oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> I play great. You know what I mean? Yeah. This Whereas is not with, me. Yeah, exactly. Which is like, but with fighting, it's like, it's you. Yeah. You know? yeah. Like, if I have a bad day, you'll know because you lose. Mm. And, uh, you know, if you have a great day, you win. Mm. So, or sometimes you have a great day and the guy has a better day and he beats you. And yeah. It's just like, that's, it's like always like the it's like the realest form of competition for me, you know, cause it's like a one versus one. And like, that's, that's, that's it. There's yeah. no ball. There's no points. Mm. There's no score on the board. Yeah. It's who's going to win here. You're more in control, I guess. right? Yeah. And so for me, that was always something that was way more appealing. And after I had my first fight, um, I actually stepped out of the ring. I walked up to my mom. I said, I'm going to be a professional fighter. Nice. And then since then, I just, that's all I've ever done. What did you say to you? She was like, okay. <laughs> she was like, all right, cool. Was she a fighter previously? Why did she want you to do karate? She did, she did karate and, and judo. She was actually a SA judo champion. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah so right. she was like super into it. So and it like, ran through the blood a little bit. Yeah, and like my, all my uncles, everyone was okay. like super into karate and, and judo and stuff. And um, my dad boxed in the army. So like it was like, and he was always like, like kind of like showing me like a little like how to fight and stuff, you know? So it was like always there yeah it was always something that like was interesting we used to wake up and watch like mike tyson fights yeah like you know like that was just something that we did so it was always something that it was that interested me and like even me and resh like we'd be at like someone's house and then we find like boxing gloves and we put like a box a glove on each hand and like start boxing <laughs> each other like, you know it was just like it's just like something that you you it was like I was it was around yeah. i was and interested in it yeah and how did resh fare back in the day no resh is good resh is tall he's got like good range you know he's lanky He's got a good, good body for, for boxing, for sure. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've been a mad fit with you when we used to do some of those little body sparring sessions. <laughs> yeah, mad <laughs> long. Hello, but if um, I can just intervene there, obviously Don and I met grade one at mm. Saks, um, same class, and we became friends. And my earliest memories of our friendship, it was just part of the dynamic that I only really thought about after the fact. But, you know, I, I lived quite far away, so... I would go back back home with him after school because he lived in Newlands. And part of the dynamic was after school, we'd have to go to um, Stadium on Main. There was a karate school there or judo mm. there. Or if I stayed over at his house on the weekend, I'd have to get up early, go with him to judo, watch him, uh, watch him do judo. So it was just part of the dynamic of our friendship. And But that was that was there from, from the get-go. Like, you know, those are my earliest memories. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, and, and now looking back at it, it's, it's interesting how, you know, how that's developed. It was, it was always there, you know, mm. how far it's come. Yeah. Just yeah. Down the and road, then, long road. And then also watching like VHS 
fight night tapes mm. at his place. That was just, you know, that was part of the, you know, I also remember fight night early of, UFC days. Yeah. When, um, the ultimate fighter first came out, mm. yeah. Don would be hooked to the, to the computer, <laughs> those old like box computers. Yeah. He'd be sitting there watching like ultimate fighter nonstop. Oh, Dana, Dana White still had a bit of hair and like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> super, like baggy suit. Joe yeah. Rogan had hair too. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sure. No, no TRT as well. No. No, no. Guys were a lot paler back then. Guys red. <laughs> and, and, uh, you got, you mentioned you got introduced to Muay Thai, right? Mm. And who, who actually introduced you to it? Um, so at that time I was like still doing karate and, and whatever. And I actually watched a, I watched a movie called Kickboxer. And so yeah. like Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah. And there was Muay Thai in it. And I was like, holy shit, that looks cool. I saw the guy kicking the wall and shit. And I was like, fuck it. I gotta do, I want to do that. So then my brother's girlfriend at the time was doing like Muay Thai dragon power. Yeah. Okay. Like for like fitness, you know? Yeah. And he was like, Oh, I think, you know, whatever her name was does that <laughs> i was like she doesn't fucking do that <laughs> she doesn't do that shit so anyway i went there and then i, st- I started training and then like just got hooked yeah um, was your first fight in cape town and dragon power yeah, yeah. okay yeah. yeah i was like 14 i was a little baby angel oh, yeah wow. <laughs> yeah so what yeah. took you to thailand um well like i guess with like any any sport like if you want to if you want to get as good as possible you go and compete against the best guys possible so the best guys who do Muay Thai are in Thailand. Okay. Yeah. That was Thai, thai boxing. Yeah. yeah makes sense. Yeah. But and especially back then it was like super, super like no one knew what Muay Thai was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not like now, like you put on one FC and it's like Muay Thai is like mainstream. Yeah. It was like no one knew what Muay Thai was. I used to tell people I do Muay Thai. Like, what? What is that? Is that yeah. karate? Yeah. Like, no. And, um, so then I was like, well, if I really want to do this, then I've got to go to Thailand. So. That's what I did. I went to Thailand and then that's it. It's kind of just. So that decision was between what your first fight at 14 and 16 you went over. Well, yeah, it was, it was, it was like a, yeah, it was, I had like a Thai trainer at one point when I was okay. in, in Cape Town. Yeah. Um, I had left Dragon Power and I was training like somewhere else and I had a Thai trainer and, um, I'd already been to Thailand previously before that and then, but not for like a super long time. And then he went back to Thailand. He was like, you know what? Why don't you come to Thailand? Check it out. I think you can, you can do this. And I was like, well, okay, I'll do it then. So I packed up all my shit, got into a flight. I wasn't actually in school. I actually like missed grade nine because just of how I am. Okay. And <laughs> <laughs> what are we skipping over there? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so anyway, um, so I was like, well, I'm, I might as well go to Thailand and try and see if I can like do something. Mm. Came back, did matric and grade 11 and stuff in like two years, uh, 10, 11, 12 in two years. Okay. And then literally got my, my last exam, specially like made so I could write it so I can get onto a flight back to Thailand. I wrote an exam at like seven in the morning, my final matric exam, and then got onto a flight at like 10 to go back to Thailand. Cause I was just like, okay, I have to finish school. My mom was like, cool, you can do whatever the fuck you want, <laughs> yeah, but you, gotta but you have to finish school. Yeah. Like you can't like not do school. Even though I knew like I was never going to do anything academic. I was yeah. like, I'm not going to yeah. do anything that school's going to like Benefit help me with. It. Yeah. Um, I'd made up my mind and, uh, but I was like, I'm just going to do it cause it's your mom, you know, so you, <laughs> you yeah. listen to what your mom tells you. <laughs> For sure. 
Um, and so, yeah, I wrote my exam, went off to Thailand and I just stayed. I just kept, I kept coming back when I would like run out of like visa. Mm. Like if I can, you only have a certain amount of like visa runs you can do before you have to come back home and then go again. Mm. So like I would do as many visa runs as I could and then run out of it, then come back home to South Africa, reapply for a visa, go back and then just keep, keep doing that. Dancing, as much. Yeah. And then eventually it became a point where I was like, yeah, I'm tired of doing that and I want to come back to South Africa. And I was like, I had a, a Muay Thai gym at the time. That like when I was here, I would teach Muay Thai to people and then go overseas, use the money that I made teaching Muay Thai to go back to Thailand. And eventually, like every time I would come back here, there was like no, no fights. I couldn't fight Muay Thai, even like K1, which is like, um, similar to Muay Thai, but it's not. It's like more kickboxing. Mm. Um, even those like opponents ran out, you know, you eventually like guys. If, if it's not like something that they're like 100% want to do, if they know that they're going to, you're going to get fucked up, they don't take the fight. Yeah. You know, like it's just, it's not like in the UFC where it's like you take the fight because you're the man mm. and you're the best in the world. So you like, you want to prove it. Yeah. Like here, you come back and guys here that you've like had 27 or 30 fights in Thailand. Now you're back to come fuck them up. They're like, uh, it's okay. No, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so that's what every single time I would come back, I'd be like, cool. I'm going to come here and try and get as many fights as I can in K1. Or Muay Thai, whatever I could here, and then make money and then go back to Thailand so I can fight the real guys. And like every time I would be here, it would be like crickets, you know, I never get fights. Yeah. And the difference, I guess, as well as that fights here, you know, it's at a small gym somewhere, whereas in Thailand, it's like in a stadium. Yeah. Hundreds of people. Yeah. And they love it. It's in the national sport. Yeah. 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 And then, I mean, I mean, obviously, I suppose it goes to show the comparison of just the fight experience or, how the like fighting has developed within South Africa yes. compared to Muay Thai? How long yeah, yeah. Muay Thai must have been around yep. in Thailand? I mean, mm. Where yeah, it was as to your point, early stages. Yeah, what, what, at what that the, point. Well, the, the crazy thing is, like in Thailand, like it's a like you you can't be a policeman, you can't be in the Thai military without doing Muay Thai. Okay. You have to. It's like a, okay, it's like yeah. compulsory. So it's like ingrained in their yeah. in their like way of life. Um, it's like in Krav fact, McGraw for like Israelis, Israelis exactly, yeah. exactly. So it's like. Um, for, for a good example is like gambling in Thailand is illegal, right? Like actual like gambling like casinos, mm. but the police allow it in Muay Thai stadiums. Mm. Okay. Oh, wow. How crazy is that? Because of the like tradition of like, yeah. yeah, just that's how it is. You know, if you lose yeah. the gambling, then no one watches the, watches the fights anymore. Okay. Yeah. So, so correct me if I'm wrong here, but I don't know if you guys have ever watched the Muay Thai fight, but the, or Muay Thai fights in Thailand, but the first round mm. is slow. It's because mm. guys are placing their bets. Okay. Oh, wow. So they don't want to give too much away. So that like, let's say you're, you're the favorite coming into the fight and I'm, I'm the underdog. Let's call Roscoe the underdog. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah so, so you're the underdog and you're the favorite, right? You're coming into the fight. The first round, you don't want to, you don't want to just like smoke him because then no one's going to place any bets and the guys that are betting on you aren't going to make a lot of money. Yeah. So you kind of take it easy in that first round and let make him look good. So that by round three, guys are like, let's put money on that guy because he looks like he's getting the better. And then round three, you pick it up and smoke him and then they win more money. Yeah. Okay. So like that's that's like kind of like how the first two rounds became like really relaxed. Yeah. Whereas if you look in 1FC now, it's only three round fights. So guys, they go hard from, yeah. from the bats and there's no like gambling. What yeah. is it usually? What is the, the Five rounds. Okay. Yeah. And then so you were there 16 to... You was yeah you know, twenty one okay basically yeah and I mean with gambling being such a big thing at least within those arenas yeah. like I mean were you ever approached to like I don't know rig a fight yeah. oh all that I happens mean, that, all the time surely that must go on it happens all the time like guys or 
they'll they'll either tell you like um oh no it's no it's an easy fight it's an easy fight no 100 you're gonna win but then the guys are killing then they bet against you oh, so wow. like the, i've had that happen to me and that's one of the reasons i left one of the gyms was that I went into a fight not knowing that this kid was like a fucking killer. You know? <laughs> I don't know, like, like an absolute killer. I actually beat him, which was like, like, I think like a little bit of luck. Like I just caught him really well. Guys lost money. And guys got fucking bleak with me. Yo. But but I only found that out because one of the friend, one of my friends that I met, like through just being in Thailand, mm. he could speak. I, he could speak much better Thai than I could at the time. And so he was telling me like, hey, you know that this motherfucker that put you in the fight was betting, betting on the other guy the whole fight. Yeah, he like yeah. knew you were going to get smoked. And I got like hurt. Like the guy hurt me, but I KO'd him. I caught him like flush. So I was like, I got him. And so I won. And then like, so like that type of stuff happens all the time. Like I'll be like, no, it's easy fight. Then like they bet on that guy. Yeah. The first two rounds, you're like, oh, I kind of, I'm kind of in this fight. Then round three, the guy comes and just like murks you. So they're all, they're kind of playing the fights and they're picking the fights on who was who and then picking the winner. It happens. Well, back then it used to happen all the time. And it's like not unheard of to like, you got a prospect that's like coming up. That's like the next guy. And then you put him with like, maybe a guy who's a bit more well-known, but he's maybe like on the slopes, you know, he's like coming down off the career now. Mm. And then they approach that guy to throw the fight so that the prospect looks better than he actually is. Mm. Um, that hap- like that's it's like in all sports, you know. Yeah, like yeah. you only get that. in boxing. Yeah, it yeah. happens all the time. Yeah. yeah, there must be quite an underground scene in yeah. Muay Thai. I mean, is there is there quite a difference between the underground scene and professional, or does it blend there? So there is only professional Muay Thai in, okay. in Thailand. There's no like I've seen six year old kids fighting professional rules, getting cut up in Thai Jeez. in Thai fights, elbowing each other, kneeing each other in the head, getting knocked out. Children, sure. like children, like four years older than my son is right now, Yo, getting that's... knocked the fuck out in Thai fights. Hectic. And they're all getting crazy. paid, and it's the same thing. They're being told those you kids need to are getting win. paid. Yeah, the, you oh, need wow. all you need to go win to <laughs> yeah. go make money for your family. Yeah. yeah, wow. And if you don't win, and I've I've seen it, if they don't if they don't win, then like they're in the back and they've just lost the fight. Like the trainers are like, "You're fucking useless. Like you're never gonna like do anything for to your a family." Six-year-old, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like different. Like it's a different. Like we we think it's like. Oh, it's a six-year-old, but like to them, it's like that's just life. life. That's yeah, how it is. Yeah, yeah. It's you're gonna do that, or you're gonna be fucking poor and work in the farms. Yeah. Like, what do you want to do? Yeah. Do you want to be a superstar and make some money with your like talent, or do you want to go work in the farm and be a taxi driver? Like, you you, you pick. And are they? I mean, there's. I would assume there's life lessons and values attributed to it as well. Muay Thai being like a a prestigious sport there, I would think, or I mean, almost like a religion. Yeah. So Mm. I mean, I suppose it's also to try and as karate is, I think, like and martial arts teaches a lot of kids right discipline in that. It would be the same on that side. Yeah. I suppose the thought process about parents putting the kids in, not just money based or. I mean, most of it is money based. Yeah. Cause they know, they know that the, the better, the better you fight, the more money mm. you make. The, the bigger your name becomes in Thailand, the more people pay you to fight. And then the more the gamblers bet on you and the more money they give you from their winnings. So it's, it's like such a system. So yeah. like kids start fighting at like six and they're done fighting at 24, you know, like, yeah. Or they can't fight anymore because they're like fucking brain dead. Like that's just, that's, that's, and then. It's, it's like, a, it's, it's a crazy, it's a crazy life. It's a crazy life. That's like, it's very sad sometimes because you see guys that, um, all they've done is Muay Thai. And when it's done, it's, yeah. they're like, 
like what not now? there anymore. Yeah. They yeah. just drink. They become like tra- maybe trainers or they become t- taxi drivers. Yeah. And then what will happen is like every now and again, you'll get a taxi driver that'll get offered to fight because he wants to make a little extra money that used to fight before, but he's like now 40 years old or 45 years old, alcoholic, fat stomach. Mm. And then you come here from the US, jacked the shit, shredded. You want to come, you want to be a professional Muay Thai fighter and they put you in with him. And the taxi driver wins. No, the taxi driver gets fucking (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but he's just trying to make an extra buck, you know, because, you know, being a taxi driver is rough. It's a long, it's a lot of time. So, you know, it's, it's, it's really awesome. Like being in the culture, but you also learn like a lot of like the dark sides of it. Mm. Just, just like with any like sports, you know, like, mm. like I'm sure when you got into law, you were like, Oh, cool. I'm going to be like suits, you know, and then it's like, <laughs> I'm going to be fucking Harvey Specter, you know, and shit's going to be cool. Like, you know, no, you got to expose me. I know that's why I became a lawyer. Is that? That's <laughs> great. The truth comes out. But you know, and then like you get into the business and you realize like there's some fucked up shit going on. Yeah. Like you don't actually want to be involved with, yeah. but you, you're in it now. So yeah. it's like, you just got to ride the game. I wanted to ask you to maybe get into the lighter side of Muay Thai or maybe the more traditional side. I, I've, I mean, I've, I don't, I don't know if there was some sort of, con- there used to be these like contender series and they used to do it uh, for boxing, like I think mm. in Australia and that, but they did one with Muay Thai and mm. um, it's where I picked it up. They do oversee this uh, traditional dance, if mm. I can call it that, I don't know if that's the term, but I, what is that called? I don't know if you can give a bit of background and what it is and what it means and does everyone have their own version? Um, yeah, so it's called a waiku, which is like, it means like respect to teacher. Mm. So the idea is that like your before you get into the into the, before you fight you have to like pay respects to all the people that were there before you and to your teacher and like a lot of times you'll see um guys that come from a certain camp or a certain like lineage of teachers have this very similar okay. white crews because they all learned it from like generation to generation to generation and um oftentimes like you'll see guys that have like really elaborate and like beautiful white crews are very very technical technically sound and they kind of like show that to you before they fight they're like this is the kind of fight i am you know i'm like all about the skill and then other guys will have like really like basic ones and very short and sweet because their lineage is more like okay i'm coming to fucking smash you <laughs> like <laughs> i'm not i'm not gonna try and be pretty i'm gonna try and murder you so like you can almost you can almost like when like if you're fighting and you're doing your your white crew and you see your part you can kind of tell what kind of fighter he is from his white group because you know the lineage that he's been given is like okay this guy's did like a two minute white crew it's like okay this guy just wants to beat my face in mm. so i know what kind of fight i'm i'm facing right now and then you guys do like 15 minute white crews and you're like okay i know i know what kind of fight i'm dealing with here this guy's gonna be super flash you know yeah. he's gonna be like really slick and uh, skillful yeah. i guess it's kind of the equivalent of of ring walkouts or face to face yeah I want to ask about a persona or you can tell a lot by that. Mm. Okay. And tell me post Thailand, is that when you went into the EFC? Yeah. So, so like I said, you know, it was very difficult to, to get fights and I was, I was kind of tired of like, um, traveling all the time, you know, Mm. like being in and out, like not, not being, being able to see like my friends, um, my family, like it was just, you know, it was, it was a lot. Mm. So when I came back, like everyone that I kind of knew from like kickboxing and Muay Thai and stuff was all doing MMA. So I was like, all right, well, let's see how this goes. So then I just started doing MMA. So you hadn't done jujitsu yet? No, I hadn't done shit. And then, uh, when was this around? What year? 2011. Mm. Okay. So 2011, then I, um, I decided, okay, cool. I'm just going to do Muay Thai now. I mean, MMA. 
And um, so I would just go to like sparring sessions where guys do MMA and I would just like piece them up because none of them had like stand up. Like none of them could like strike at all. And I was like, oh, this is going to be fucking easy. Yeah. These guys are like basic bitches on the feet. Yeah, they can grapple, but if I can just hit them before yeah. they grab me, like, yeah. great. And by grappling, you mean wrestling? Like wrestling, or? jiu-jitsu, yeah, like okay. ground fighting. Yeah. Um, so I like, I was like, well, you know, let's give it a try. I'm, I'm not going to go back to Thailand now, um, but I want to still fight. I still want to compete. So like, this is the next thing. Was like, EFC kind of new at this stage or? Uh, it had been going for about three years. So okay. it was like, it was like on a super sport. It was yeah. like, oh, cool. I get to fight in the country and I get to still compete against good competitors and it's on TV decent like, competitors yeah well it's new you know yeah, yeah. So like it's like going from playing I don't know rugby to now American football it's similar mm. but it's a different game yeah. you know so like you might be able to carry over some skills but it's different challenges a, I guess. it's a still yeah. a different rule yeah. set you know yeah and EFC that journey it was a couple of years We your first mm. fight 2011 end of 2011 and yeah. then my last one was end of or beginning of 2017 yeah we actually have your yeah. fight list it's so so as you can see like the first couple fights like it was a bit touch and go because i was kind of learning on the job you know yeah. i my my first ever mma fight was a professional fight i never had any amateur training and it was six months after i'd gone back from thailand yeah so i like kind of just was like cool i'm just gonna go in and see how it goes well that's quite crazy that you won the belt after <laughs> yeah. after three fights yeah well, fourth the, fight. yeah but and yeah, we'll get to it. And there was, I, I remember watching that first Costillon and, mm. and you, and rear naked take. Yeah, yeah. It was insane. Well, like, so, so after my fight, my second fight where I lost against Leon, I kind of had like a, like an aura around me where guys were like, holy shit, this guy just fought a guy like 20 fights. He's his second fight. And, and that was a crazy fight. And I basically okay. beat him and then yeah. just, you know, lost on a technicality. I wanted to ask on that, I w- watched the fight. What do you know why you pulled to the side at all? Or? Yes, oh, bro. So, <laughs> so annoying. So anyway, so I I got I got hit right. Yeah, and I had one of those like bite and burn mouth guards. It was like really like thin, and as he hit me, it, I bit through it and chip. I've actually got like a bunch of chipped teeth there at the bottom. I yeah. chipped my teeth. So I, in my mind, I'm like this guy just smacked my mouth guard out of my mm. face. So I say to the ref like, wait, my thing's on the ground, uh. and he. He like, he initially like went to me and he, he like understood that I was saying no, it's on the ground. And he was like, no, no, it's still in your mouth. So then I was like, oh, okay, well, let's carry on. Yeah. And then the guy from the outside was like, no, you can't stop the fight mid fight. Like that's him giving up. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, but I didn't even drop. I'm like, I'm standing right here. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. literally went, hang on, pointed to the ground. You can like watch the video. I go, hang yeah, on, yeah. point to the ground. And then I checked my mouth, my mouth guard. And he's like, no, your mouth guard's still in. And I was like, oh, okay, well. Let's go. And Let's then, go. But then the ref had jumped in. But then that, that official on the outside was like, no, you can't do that. Okay. He had already called it. Oh, so he that was an official. That's, that's okay. interesting. So it was an official on the yeah. outside, yeah. Okay. It's interesting that he gave them so much weight because my understanding from uh, any MMA fight or cage fighting that, you know, the referee in the ring has the final say. And he's, he looked to actually step in at, at one point. Mm. Yeah, well, that's, that's, kind of like, that's kind of like my issue that I had with the situation. It was like, but he heard me say, he heard me say to him, the my mouth guard, yeah. my mouth yeah. guard's out. And then he was like, no, it's still in your mouth. So I was like, oh, okay. Well, sorry. Let's continue. And then the outside guy was like, no, he can't stop the fight. Yeah. And then there was like a whole like thing. And I was like, mm. then he started waving it off. I'm like, bro, I'm standing up. 
look at that guy's face. I beat the fuck out of him for yeah, three rounds. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, it was a mad fight. I mean, it's, it's yeah. three rounds. And also it's a yeah. case of it, it's, a, it's, a new, it's a new sport. It's a mm. new, the, the judges, the, the refs are still learning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And, the, and the guy that was on the outside was a boxing guy. Because the MMA was so new that mm. like most guys didn't have much experience with MMA. They mm. had only had like, I think that was what? UFC 11? Yeah. It's the 11th fucking event. Oh, yeah, you know what I mean? True. Like, yeah, it's yeah. the 11th time they're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so like the guys didn't know like what, or UFC 13, sorry. And, um, the guys didn't like know, you know, in boxing, if you get hit and you turn away, it fights over. Yeah. So like, you know, like it was, it was also an error on my part, you know, like as a, as a fighter, you should know, like, you don't, you can't do that. But in the heat of the moment, you're like, fuck, I don't want to lose my teeth. This guy's going to hit me again. Mm. Yeah. I'm not trying to lose my teeth. And Liam was a hard hitter. And I, and I, and I felt my teeth chip. Mm. You know, like when you bite your teeth and you can like taste, yeah. you can, like taste yeah, the yeah, yeah. I was like, I know I got hit really hard there. Um, but like I said, like I was on my feet, I was standing, yeah. didn't get rocked, I didn't fall over, I didn't wobble. It was just boom. And I was like, hang on, you know, mm. and he had hit me a bunch of times like that throughout the fight. So it was like, it's not like it was um, the first time that he hit me hard and then I'm yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. let's no, stop. No, yeah, yeah. You know, um, but anyway, it's, yeah. it's, it was a lesson learned for me. Yeah, for sure. But anyway, then after that fight, it was like kind of like everyone, everyone thought like I was like, like unstoppable, you know, because I was young. Mm. I mean, I was 20 years old when, or 20, yeah, 21 years right. old. I mean, and so like he was like title contender, you know, yeah, like yeah. he was like up there and now no one from like, and I was like, I'm still a beginner. You know, I need to fight beginners and no beginners wanted any piece of it. So I was like, fuck it. Well, cool. Then just give me whoever the fuck wants it. Yeah. And then I got the fight with Hector and I choked him out. So how did you do the jujitsu? I mean, you said you'd never done, like, that was quite a quick learning process. You just pick it up. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I like to think I'm a pretty fast learner. You picked, yeah. And I mean, you went rear naked choke, rear naked choke. <laughs> well, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, that's just how I am. Like I yeah. said, like I wanted to become good in Muay Thai. So I went to where the best Muay Thai guys are. And the same thing with jujitsu when I, when I started MMA, I said, cool, let's just get all the best guys that are the best at jujitsu around me that, that I had in my like reach. Mm. And I'm like, cool, let's just fight them every day. And I got fucked up every day, every single day until I didn't, you know, and then you started getting better and better and better. And, um, yeah. And then eventually I was just like, okay, cool. Now I feel comfortable in this area of my game to the point where I can go and win a title. Where were you training locally then? At that time, I was actually at PFA, um, okay. which is a gym that is still in town. Mm. Um, back then, it was like the only like legitimate uh, MMA gym around. And the owner, Mike, is like a long time MMA um, sort of pioneer in, in Cape Town. And he was like one of the first guys that had like a real MMA gym. Um, so I was like, you know, okay, that, that to me is the best guy around. So mm. I'm going to go there. You know, and then like, like with anything, you know, you outgrow places and you got to go to the next best guy, yeah, yeah. you know, the better guy, the, the bigger <laughs> fish and you yeah. just keep doing that. And that's what eventually happened. You know, I left, I left them after you, st you could see I, I wasn't really progressing. I kept like having like ups and downs and ups and downs. And so I was like, well, okay, I, I need to do something. Either I'm going to fucking just keep going like this and have like a 20 and 13 record mm. or I need to go and do something. So then I moved to Johannesburg and that's when I met Richie Kwan. And he's like probably the, well, he is undoubtedly the best MMA trainer we've ever seen in Africa. He has like 16 EFC titles. He's got a Bellator title. He's got a UFC title. Like 
I was the, I was, he, he his, no, his student, Gareth McLean, was the first guy yes. to get a victory in the UFC. Yeah, okay. And then I was the second guy okay. to yeah. get a victory I was in the close. UFC. <laughs> from, from South Africa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. lost all four. Yeah. Okay. Then Gareth came in, got a victory. Then I came in and I got two victories. Yes. So he is undoubtedly the greatest MMA trainer we've seen yeah. to date. Okay. And so I was like, that's the guy I need to go to, right? Okay, but wait, you, you, you skipped over something yet. <laughs> with, with the Costa, just, just to touch on the Costa fight. So Costa was a pretty dominant champion. He wasn't, he wasn't someone who was like new to the game mm. or, you know, he, he was dominant mm. and Very uh, dominant. It, it was known that he was dominant and he was also fighting out of FFM. Yeah. The, where, where Richie, where Richie, where Richie oh, is wow. the head okay. coach. And he was a grappler though, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, and so, but then, very, very, very yeah, yeah, dominant. Yeah. And he, yeah, he was short, stocky, yeah. strong. Yeah. yeah. So then, yeah. so then Don, and then I remember this. We, we traveled to Joburg. We had one block, um, booked out for, for Don's fans who were there. And when he won and especially beating him kind of at his own game, it was a big statement in, in the, the competition. And, then I think that was obviously a maybe an eye opener to to Richie and FFM. Kind of like even before Don had got there, they were like, "Okay, you know, there's yeah. there's something here." Well, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the funniest thing is that like I um me and me and the other head coach chef, we had like a back and forth before the fight. Like mm-hmm. he was like, "Oh, like you've you know got attitude." You he was also a fighter. Yeah, and yeah. he was like talking mad shit and. and after I after I beat um, Costa, I went up to him and was like, "And now, like now what?" You know, yeah. <laughs> you know. And, then, and so when when I went to when I eventually moved over to Joburg, like uh, we we kind of had like a bond immediately because me and Chef because you know we had that, and I was yeah. like, you know what kind of guy I am now, yeah. based on that. You know, like you tell me I can't do it, I'm gonna fucking do it, and I'm gonna come rub it in your face and be like, <laughs> now what? You yeah. know what I mean? Like that's just. And he's the same, same type of person. So like instantly we had a good connection. Yeah. And so I felt, I felt like that was, that was like a big decision in my, in my life. You know, I had like my whole life was in Cape Town, you know, up until that point. Well, we were actually, I said to Joel, why did they say fighting out of Johannesburg, mm. not fighting out of Cape Town in the sort of description? Yeah. 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 Well, like, yeah, that, that's why I spent pretty much most of my MMA career in Johannesburg. Okay. You know, training, training under Richie. And uh, at that time, they had like six champions, current champions. Um, we had like 20 professionals on the mats from all different weight categories. It was killers, just only killers. Yeah, yeah. And you're only going to get better doing that. Yeah. Only killers on the mats. And when you're young, that's what you need. You need to be around a bunch of fucking killers to learn what you, what you are and what you aren't. Mm-hmm. You know, it's easy, it's easy to kid yourself like, like as, as a young fighter and training at like a small local gym and thinking that you're the man. And like sparring against like a bunch of fucking hobbyists and shit. But when you go, when you're young and you go to a place where there's killers, you guys, guys that are veterans, you, you quickly learn what kind of fighter you are. Do you have balls? Are you ready to fucking fight? Are you a technician? Are you a brawler? Because you're going to face all those guys and they've all been there and they've all seen that. And you know, so like maybe in your gym, you can over, over like overpower someone by like being too much, putting too much volume. But a guy's 20 fights in. He's seen that. Mm-hmm. And now you have to develop your game better. And, um, so like that's, that's like a super important thing for like younger fighters is like, you know, if, if you're, if you're a young guy, you need to go to gym with guys have been there and done that because mm-hmm. 
you you need to figure out what kind of fighter you are and then you can refine and start like like what i do now is like i bring in guys for my training i don't just have like a bunch of guys around that we just like murder each other all day because then you just get injured and brain yeah, dead yeah now you bring in guys that you need for specific fights and um that you do when you're when you've developed when you're like a veteran once yeah. you've had like you know where your weaknesses are exactly. so if you don't like Experience, grapplers right? you bring in a grappler yeah, yeah. exactly exactly and um so yeah so i i went up there and then you can see i had like quite a run yeah um up until recently up until my last fight you know i think like with my last fight it was just i was so ahead of the guy that i was just like i got lazy and you get lazy you get caught and that's like that's like the biggest biggest lesson that that i've learned was like when you're ahead you need to stay ahead yeah you know yeah. you can't like take a take a, i was like cool there's like two minutes left yeah you're well ahead on the yeah. on the scorecard well, no no, no well i had him well like ahead. easy yeah and mm-hmm. i was like cool i've got this guy's number he can't touch me and he this was the him. this was the champion in the previous year he that won was the, the defending champion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and i, I asked actually, to well, fight him i, I asked to fight him first because i was like i want to send a message out to the rest of them and be like i thought ask for the champion beat the champion and now all you guys are fucked you know jay and i watched it in mauritius that was when you guys came april 2022 yeah, I was watching local, yeah. <laughs> mm. um, but before, so tell us about the UFC. Mm. Uh, getting into the UFC, what it was like, is it, how's it different? One of our uh, guests asked what the difference was between all three sort of companies, uh, EFC, UFC, and PFL. But just take us through UFC first, and then you can kind of sort of... Yeah, um, UFC, I mean, like, it's a, it's a machine. It's like a... it's. It's so, so I guess coming from like the UFC where like I'm talking to the president every day on text to going to the UFC where you deal with like this person's your assigned coordinator. You never like, I never, you never speak to Dana, you know, like that's your assigned coordinator and they speak to your manager. They don't speak to you and your manager then speaks to the matchmaker or whatever. whatever. It's a corporate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's no, there's like a, there's like a chain of command. Yeah. Um, so that was like a bit, that was a bit different. Um, and also like the whole process of getting into the UFC, like after I beat Dave Manzani, well, before I fought Dave, Dave Manzani, who was also touted to go to the UFC. Yeah, um, American chap, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very like experienced, was like almost in the UFC a few times, then like took a couple of stupid fights, lost. And then he was on a roll again and had won the title. And he was actually going to go. I think if he beat me that day, he probably would have gone to the UFC. Um, and so anyway, we had, we had been speaking to the UFC before that fight and they were like, yeah, you need to like you beat a few more internationals. So I was like, cool. Well, the last guy I beat was from Brazil. This guy is now an American champion who trains at Extreme Couture, one of the biggest gyms mm-hmm. yeah. in the world. Is it Randy, right? Randy, yeah, yeah. Like it's, they've got like a lot of, cha- like a lot of good fighters there. And I was like, you know, if I beat him, you know, I should get a, uh, maybe you guys are going to give me a shot. Yeah. And so that was kind of like, yeah, yeah, for sure, we'll do that. And then I beat him, and then they're like, oh, you need to have one more fight. So I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? You just told me I needed one <laughs> Bait, more fight. Baiting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then I was like, cool. Um, then I got an opportunity to go to the U.S. to go train with Chris Seibel. She asked me to come over. Well, her, her boyfriend or fiancé asked me to come over because they needed a South Pole striker. So I was like, sweet, I'll come over. And you guys, um, did you guys meet when you were training in Thailand? Yeah, me and her boyfriend, Ray. Yeah, okay. yeah. He was teaching jiu-jitsu at, the, at Tiger Muay Thai at the time. Okay. And I used to help him actually with his striking when he would prepare for MMA fights. And that's really like built a bond. And then out of the blue, he just messaged me like, hey, like, I see you doing MMA now. Like, Chris needs a sparring partner. Sick. Why don't you come over? So I was like, of course, pack my bags, went. Yeah, what an opportunity. Yeah. It's one of the most well-known fighters in the world. Yeah, unreal. And... um. And then when I was training with her, she was like, how are you not in the UFC? 
So I was like, I, I'm trying, you know, it's, but we're in Africa. You got to remember like, yeah. we're in fucking Africa. We're not, it's not like we're in California where we can like drive to Nevada and maybe go meet Dana at, mm. at the offices. Like I'm in Africa. No one knows where the fuck we are. Um, so, so I, I got to meet her and then I got to meet like a bunch of people that were like in the game. And the same thing was like, no, you need to be in the UFC. You need to be in the UFC. You need to be. So this anyway, is she, the networking portion of it. Right? Yeah, exactly. Actually knowing the right people. Exactly. And she put me in touch with like my current manager now. Um, before that, it was like her manager. And then we both left and we went to like the current manager who's Tim Simpson. He's like the biggest manager in the game. And um, yeah, it was best. She, she was so firm on it that she was like, she said to the UFC, so like, I'm not going to f- sign a contract until you sign this guy because he's, he deserves to be in the UFC. And so Thanks. she's like, she's like, a real one for that, you know, she was like, I'm, I'm not going to sign the contract until you guys sign this guy because he needs to be in the UFC. Yeah. That's mad. So if someone's so Sick. like, yeah. so high up promoting you is well known business. Yeah. Well, that's, I was like, fuck. Okay. Well, maybe I should be in the UFC. Then. <laughs> <laughs> she was, I think on Brendan Sharp's show as well, like having yeah. a, a podcast with him, like promoting you. Like, yeah. yeah. T- and Tito. Yeah. Cause I was training cause we were training with Tito and then like, um, Obviously, like in the training sessions, he was obviously like, damn, okay, like this guy can actually fight. And, um, and then like, obviously while I was there, I was like sparring with like Rafael dos Anjos beating the shit out of him. <laughs> like, oh, no way. Yeah. And like sparring yeah. with like Aaron Pico and like all these guys that are like, like good fighters. Yeah. Yeah. Rafael obviously well known. You see in Aaron yeah, Pico. Yeah. Me, he was I, in Bellator. We I used to spar there. like all the time. Like I, I probably done like 12 rounds with him. Mm-hmm. And, um, and Aaron yeah. Pico as well stud prospect. Yeah. yeah. At the time. And so, and then, and then I was also training at, um, Cobrinia in, in LA, who's like one of the greatest jujitsu practitioners of all time. And he's actually the lineage that I got my black belt through. And he, uh, Congrats, thank you. <laughs> and he, um, I was training there and, and, and again, they were like, who the f- like, why aren't you doing like IBJJF worlds? Like, what are you guys doing? And so like, I had all these people like saying like, no, you need to be in the UFC. And so she, she like really pushed me to do that. And, uh, I think that was kind of like, it was like a great thing and like a really shit thing at the same time because the UFC don't like to be pushed into doing anything. <laughs> and so like, I had this like, because they had quite a, a rough relationship with Chris, as you guys, I'm sure like know, like they had like quite mm-hmm. a, you know, not such a great relationship because I came on with her. My relationship off the bat was like a tough one mm-hmm. with the UFC. And so like, I knew that because the, f- the first fight offer I got was Tay Edwards and he was like, so prospect seven and, he and was one coming off contender and yeah. i think yeah he had like four of his last seven were yeah he was on the contender in the first series. round yeah he was like he was like seven and one or something or six and one and it was all six round six first round knockouts yeah and also was a wrestler and like and yeah. heavy 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 hands when he's yeah, yeah. and so like you, so you could what see he what thought. the ufc were trying to do there. <laughs> they were like cool yeah. come here get smoked yeah. and then fuck off back you know but they, they must have loved you after this though. <laughs> i mean yeah yeah <laughs> I, I guess, I guess so. I um, mean, that head kick was, I'm going to put this link in the, is this long? No, it's short. Oh, there was one and then, boof. <laughs> left yeah, and so left. like, so like I knew, like I knew I could be, I knew I was going to beat that guy's ass. Like I knew it. So I was like, cool. Yeah. I've fought lots of guys that can throw a big right hand. You know, like that's yeah. all you have. That's all you have. And, um, I knew it. And I don't think the UFC knew it. So yeah. I went in there and I was like, I'm going to fucking, like I said, like, if you tell me I'm not going to do something, I'm like, cool. Well, let's see. I'm going to do it now. Did things change a little bit? Yes and no. Like it was, uh, 
still yeah. still an uphill battle. Yeah, it was still a little bit of a battle, but um, I also also do um, attribute that to like my management at the time. They were kind of like a small management company, and they, you know, get intimidated by like the UFC, you know. So like they weren't they weren't like, no, we're not going to take that fight. We want this fight, or we want to be on this card. You know, like that's how a manager works. Is mm. they say like, I've got a prospect, the only guy you have that's in Africa. It's like, you've got, this is the route to Africa now. Like, mm. let's push this guy. Yeah, I can bring a country to the, to the exactly, party. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The, the negotiated skills obviously weren't. Weren't yeah. great. Yeah. When we needed to be. So they were kind of just like, here's a fight, take it. You know, like, and that's, you know, how it was. So I just took whatever fight they fucking gave me. And, um, you know, it was like, I was, before I was going to fight Fares, it was, uh, um, Mustafaev, a Russian guy from Dagestan. Oh, yeah. And yeah. he pulled out like a couple of weeks before the fight. And then they replaced him with him, and um, also like a real, a highly touted uh, prospect. Yeah, which which was like that's a cool matchup because we're both prospects. Both strikers. Yeah, and also both prospects. So like those are the those are the kind of matchups you want, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, and then obviously I beat him as well, and then yeah, then we went into lockdown and things kind of got fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, jeez, I forgot about that actually in, in the fight. But I wanted to go into the actual fights. So we. Quite interested to know about fight week, the weight cut, mm. like that process. Like, is, was it quite hard on you to, to cut the weight and sort of take us through what fight week looks like? Yeah. So, like, um, you fly out like about a week, week before the fight. And a lot of it's like, you know, signing posters and doing photo shoots and, you know, checking gear, getting all your, like, your gear on and making sure it's the right size and like all this, like, interviews and all these like promotional things that you have to do and then all the while having to make weights and like train and like just get ready for the fight um is this you having flown in from SA now yeah okay yeah so we fly in from SA me and my week out eh? a week out yeah so we arrive like the fights on the Saturday we'll probably arrive on the Sunday and that's long enough to adjust with the I mean that's what you get that's that's what you get bro (laughs) (laughs) that's what you get bro that's what you get you gotta properly work your way up I mean you I mean you you could ask to go earlier you you can ask to go two weeks earlier but Mm. you know I don't have money to fucking sit in California and rent out a house Mm. you know that comes when you in the top 10 you're making like hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah Mm. Um, so I was like cool you know I back myself we fly out and we can go you know um, and so, yeah, the weight cut is fucking hard, especially when, I mean, I, I naturally like I'm around 85 to 90 kilograms. It's like, just that's. See, we're the same, same yeah. bold, same so, weight. <laughs> so if we, it's so like, you glad this is audio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like if we, 85, if, 90, what's that in pounds? I'm trying to think. Uh, like 200 pounds, 90 kilos is 200 pounds. And you squashing down to then you're 155. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. So like it was always, it was always tough, you know, like my, pretty much my whole life, like is on a diet and like not like a good diet, like a very restrictive diet. And then having to make the weight, you know, I'd probably come in in fight week at around like 78 kilograms and then have to cut those eight kgs, like 20 pounds in that week. Brutal. Um, which is, you know, like not unheard of, but. Mm. Because in order for me to get to 78, I'm coming from like 85. So like I've, I'm having to be on a, Sorry, sure. I'm having to be on a pretty restrictive living, living situation for a while before I can even come into that 78. And then that's water I have to drop in that weed. So 
it was and as obviously as you get older and, and more muscular you get your muscle gets more dense it becomes harder to cut the weight so like 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 now i've moved i made the decision to move up to welterweight because because of that you know like it's just the back when i was fighting like um efc days i used to fight the same weight but i would only ever get up to like 76 77 kgs you yeah know? you're always staying in shape i was just just like just thin you know just had mm. no muscle muscle mass you know and then as you train over the years i mean i think the first time i ever lifted a weight was before i fought castellano it's the first time i ever touched a weight oh, like wow. ever in my life i'd never fucking touched weights i never run and do martial arts and that was the first time i had a real weight cut as well i like got up to you know, like 84 kilograms like like muscle mm. and um and i got really sick because i overtrained i got like acute fatigue syndrome so like my adrenals were just done like toast and i like couldn't get out of bed for like two weeks before that and then obviously like not training and you've acquired all this muscle mass now you've got 13 kilos to cut so i had 13 kilos to cut in two days that's hectic and i just fucking did it you know 13 kilos in two days yeah it sucked ass it was horrible and then think about the the night of the fight you're weighing what yeah, about 84, 83. So back, back yeah. Think about what your body is doing in that mm. two-day. It's horrible. Yeah, you're just pendulum from yeah. 84 to... No, your body like goes into like... 70 back to 84. So, yeah. so are you just... Are you covering yourself and we just see it on TV? Is it... How does it... Yeah, so like What's we, the actual process? Yeah, so, so for that fight specifically, on the Sunday, I was going to weigh in on the Wednesday. The fight was on Thursday. And I was going to weigh in on the Wednesday. So on the Sunday, I decided, cool, I'm just, like, because up until then, I was like, I'm not taking the, I'm not doing the fight now because I'm, I'm fucked. You know, you guys are going to have to postpone it. For which one's this? For, for the Castellano fight. Okay. Yeah. So it's the first time that I like had to really cut weight. And so I said to my, my coaches and I was like, guys, like, I'm fucked. Like, I haven't been able to train for two weeks. I can't even get out of bed. And, um, one of my coaches, Charles, he, he came to me and he was like, come, let's just go for a coffee. So I was like, cool, let's go for a coffee. And then we went for a coffee and then we went on, went to Virgin Actor, like a little walk on the treadmill. <laughs> and then like, he kind of was like, bro, just fucking, you can just do it. Like, yeah. just suck it up and go. And I was like, fuck, okay, well, I'm just going to do it. Still didn't feel good, still fucked up. But I was like, whatever, let's just, let's just make it happen. So that Sunday, I decided, cool, I'm going to, I'm going to go through with it. Um, Monday morning, Monday afternoon, I was going to fly, no, no, Tuesday morning, I was going to fly to, to Johannesburg. So Monday morning, I woke up at 83 kilograms and I had a cup of green tea and that's all I had until I made weight <laughs> on sure. Wednesday afternoon. So I, that day, sat in the sauna for a couple of hours, got down to about... For a couple of hours, I find. Yeah, like that's intermittently. Sunday, Sunday evening to Wednesday. Yeah. I can hardly that's last 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like in and out for a couple of hours and then I got down to probably about 81 kilograms. So I still had a ways, ways to go. You know, only dropped in two kilos, like stuff. And then that evening, tried to do a light session, got down to like 79. So like now I'm, I'm getting there, you know, but it's still nine kilograms in two days is not easy. Yeah. Get to Johannesburg. We're doing like hot baths and stuff like that to get, get sweats going, wrapping up in towels and blankets and stuff mm-hmm. to keep the sweats Have going. Have some salts as well in the yeah, bar. Yeah, yeah. Then I think like, the night before, or no, the day of the weigh-in, I was still 76 kilograms, 76 kgs in the morning, and I had to make weight at like 2 in the afternoon. And what was the weight? 70? 70. 70, 70 yeah. yeah. Fuck. So we had 6 kilos to drop that day. So I was like, cool, this is going to fucking suck ass, but let's do it. <laughs> and so, yeah, we did it, and I just, I just 
just did it you know it was like it sucked but you just you do it and um yeah i remember like i had to be carried to the scale i was like fucked like completely fucked mm. and you just dead tired like i mean yeah i mean emotional I, I mean frustrated you must be like it must be to be honest nothing matters but getting like a drink of water <laughs> like, yeah you're not you're not even thinking about like how you feel you're just like i just want to stand on the stupid scale so i can see 70 kilos and then i'm gonna drink the shit out of that water right there you know? like, that's <laughs> that's all that's all you're thinking about yeah yeah um you know that, and that's like kind of like what i'm saying is like the the reward or like the benefits of cutting weight versus the like disadvantages is that sometimes like when you're cutting massive weight like that you forget about the fight mm. you're so focused on making the weight mm. and that's what's kind of been happening in the last like couple of years is like you because you have to cut so much weight, you're like, fuck, like, I'm just thinking about cutting the weight. You're not even thinking about the fight. And so that's why, like, eventually the decision was like, let me just go up to welterweight because, like, now I can make weight mm. by this weekend. You know what I mean? Like, mm. it's not, it's not a problem. And that way, like, I can focus just on training and just on the fight rather than focusing on what my weight is. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. It's a wild, it's a wild game. But I mean, you've also done, so you recently did a 96. Oh, water fast. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm trying to think, is that much difference to what you've been through? I yeah. Mean, so, so I'll, I'll tell you right now, it's much easier to be hungry than it is to be thirsty. Uh, so the water helps. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Trust me. Okay. Yeah. Trust enough. me. Yeah. Like sense. I can, I can go. Yeah. I could have probably gone a whole week without eating. Did you have um, black coffee? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just one cup in the morning and then water with like electrolytes. Yeah. Revive or something. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, Resh and I are going to do it next week. You're going to do 96. 70, 72. 72 yeah, yeah do it yeah. Do it. and Jay yeah. yeah, it's good I mean 72 yeah. still I'll pass away no it's hectic <laughs> it's impressive <laughs> no it's hectic I mean yeah. like it's but yeah definitely being being thirsty is way worse did you lose kilos yeah I lost like about 4 kilograms okay so yeah. that's my that's what I put on this holiday so that's perfect <laughs> but, but, <laughs> you could put funny, it on a few days later I mean. <laughs> so like the funny thing is that since losing those four kilograms, I haven't put them back on, mm, which is like, to, yeah. which is like quite like a weird thing. Okay. Cause like I haven't, I'm not trying to lose weight. Yeah. I'm not trying to like keep weight off. I'm just like not eating like a dickhead yeah. and it's just, stable. you were just kind of plateauing and then you just dropped the plateau and your healthy lifestyle is still. I think what happens is that you're, cause you know, like doing the fast and stuff, you're resetting your, your gut, your mm. microbiome. Mm. So like your body gets used to, you eat, let's say you eat 2000 calories, but because your gut's so fucked up, you can only actually use a thousand of those calories. Makes you more hungry because you're like, I need an extra thousand calories. Mm. So you're gonna eat another 2000. So I need 4000 calories in when you only needed two. Mm. Cause your body can only use those 2000 calories. I don't know if this is an exact fucking science. So everyone <laughs> can't <calm the> fuck <laughs> down. I'm just saying like, this is, this is what I'm thinking, right? Yeah, so like yeah. if your body can't use the nutrients properly. Yeah. Like you're going to feel like you need more food, yeah, right? Yeah, and that's oftentimes sure. what happens with us is that we just eat because we're like, yeah. I'm still hungry. Whereas like now I eat and I'm like, I'm cool, you know? And I think that's what happened. Like, you just, like everything I put in now is getting used like immediately. And I can feel it like normally at night, like I'm, you know, well, my wife is a fucking sweet fiend, but, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I'm not, I'm not at all, but yeah. Every fucking night we were eating chocolates in bed. Like every night. And I'm not that guy at all. Like I've never been that guy. It's just when it's there and presents itself. Yeah, so you, like are now, you blaming your wife then? I am. <laughs> 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 I am 100%. Um, but like now she still like has her chocolates in bed sometimes. But mm. I'm like, I'm not even like interested. And I think that's because I've reset my 
my microbiome mm. like i only want this like i know what i want i want to eat meat and fruit that's it like <laughs> sort of half carnival yeah carnival and fruit it's just yeah. reminding me of jay and all his chuckies is on that jay smashed <laughs> it's like three slabs a night yeah he's got all the sweet teeth <laughs> yeah so he's our other person that what so are you guys going to do it now yeah. yeah yeah when are you guys planning to do this 70, what, Monday, 76 start monday night and then yeah yeah maybe end somewhere wednesday I wanted to just came to my mind. Jay had a question um, for Don. What was the question? Where where are you at now? What what's your yeah, drop us your next fight? Yeah. Well, yeah, I, first. I, I mean, his words were: Are you retired? Are you still no, signed no, with no. PFL? What story? No, I'm still signed with the PFL. I was actually supposed to fight last year, and um, I think like three weeks before the fight, I was signed to fight a fight. And three weeks before the first leg of the the season, I broke my hand in sparring. Okay. Or my knuckle inspiring. And then I kind of tried to tra- train around it. And then the following week, I tore my hamstring grade three. <laughs> sure. So I was like, okay, cool. I'm fucked now. And the way the PFL works is that if you don't qualify or do the first legs of the tournament, you're out the tournament, which means now I have to sit for a year until the next tournament. And so the tournament's so annual. So it's you a have season. To, okay. It's a season. So if you're out the season, you're out the season. Okay. It's like in like rugby. If you're injured for the season, you don't yeah. play the season. Yeah. You know? um, and so that kind of like, so after I, I lost to Roush, then I'd broken my foot and I was out of the season. So I couldn't make the next, the next fight. So I yeah. had to wait till the next year. Yeah. And then I got injured right before the next one. So how and are we so looking now, for 2024? So now this year I'll be doing the, the PFL season Sick. again, which I think starts in April. Okay. Yeah. And touch wood, no, uh, no injuries. You must be excited to get back in okay. the ring. Yeah. I mean, it's really frustrating to like, kind of sit and watch and see like mm. everything going on and being like, I know that I can win that world title. I know, I know I can beat all these guys. And it's like really like, and especially when you, when you're like, fuck, I'm in my fighting prime right now. Mm. I'm like in my physical prime right now. Like I want to get out there. I want to yeah. do this. And then it was like, the most frustrating part is that like, it was like COVID and then I wasn't getting any fights. I had like four or five canceled bouts with the UFC. I left the UFC, go to the PFL, got a fight, and then now injuries, injuries, injuries. Yeah, it's like it's constant. Like so frustrating. Yeah, yeah. So like now, you, now I'm sitting at the point where I'm like, I just want to get a fight so I can just do what I want to do. Yeah. It's like all I've ever done. And then the advantage of the, the format of the season, knowing that you're going to fight so many times mm-hmm. a year, guaranteed purse, guaranteed fights, mm. get your momentum going, which obviously didn't have with the UFC. Mm. You get injured and then that becomes the disadvantage because now you've got to wait out the whole season. Yeah. You can't just re-enter. Yeah, yeah, so that's quite wild. But now the benefit is that PFL just acquired Bellator. So what yeah. happens is, let's say you that's are huge. you are in the season, they're going to be running Bellator events concurrently with mm. the season. So yeah. if you get injured in the first leg of the season, you can't complete the next leg of the season. You can go down to You go and have a showcase fight at the Bellator. Uh, so, so you can still yeah. fight. And their fighter yeah. pool is obviously bigger now. So they Exactly. Yeah. So you can still compete regardless of the season mm. and the calibers of fights in Bellator now it's, it's yeah it's amazing it's looking yeah. good Jeez. Yeah. and you know at at the end of the day it's like everyone can like everyone's gonna say like oh but the best fighters here the best fighters here. anyone in the top 10 of any organization in the world are all fucking the best fighters in the world Animals. there's yeah. no there's no like oh the top 10 here is better than the top 10 here it's like no if you're in the top 10 of Bellator PFL or PFL is a top 10 or a top 8 or whatever in, in the season UFC, 1FC, if you're in the top 10 of any of those divisions, you are a motherfucker. I mean, you're you're talking about 50 people in the world. Exactly. So it's crazy. Per division, yeah, Yeah. exactly. So it's like, you're not, it's like, if you think about how many people become professional fighters or successful professional fighters, 1%, 0.1% or whatever, 
And then you got to think about the top 10. That's like 0.01% of the world. So like, regardless of which organization you're fighting, if you're fighting in the top 10 at any world stage, you're fucking, you, that's, that's the best, the best. Like, like, and And I think probably only the top five of that top 10 that are making serious money. 100%. And, and also like, you know, like you got, you got guys in the top, 10 of of Bellator 1FC that could easily compete with the guys in the top 10 of the U- of the UFC but it's just preferential where you choose to compete mm-hmm. like I follow a lot of the guys like Habib's um, cousin um, Usman, Usman. Usman. Yeah. he fights in he's the champion yeah. at Bellator mm-hmm. he's 19 and 0 and he's a, yeah, he's an animal he's a fucking monster <laughs> guarantee that Another guy Dougie guarantee that guy can go to the UFC and win the featherweight title there as well there's no doubt and the same thing with um, AJ McKee he's the he's lightweight isn't he I think he actually no I think Usman's lightweight and then AJ's feather, feather. Yeah. and I can tell you right now AJ McKee could for sure go and win the, the yeah, UFC featherweight so like you, you look at that and you're like okay but there are there are 100% like Differences in terms of the the caliber of promotion, mm. but in terms of top ten of fighters in the world, mm. it's it's it kind of all gets around to the same the same sort of like kill the fish. You know mm. what I mean? Mm. Demetrius Johnson's probably a good example as well. Mm, exactly. He's one of the best UFC fighters of all time goes mm. to gets killed. Um, one and gets killed. But he's also mixing up in, in one way, like there's a one run Muay Thai, yeah, one yeah. run MMA. So I mean, he's yeah. he's putting himself out there. Sure. He's, he's an animal. So his his he, he fought um, when he went to one FC. He fought. He won. Then his second fight was for a title. I think it was for the title. And then it's Brazilian kid Brazilian. knocked, him, knocked yeah. him out. And now Mighty Mouse is like arguably one of the best of all time. Yeah. So like that kind of just shows you like that just because someone may not be competing directly into the UFC. Mm. Like there's still other killers. There's like, there. yeah, it's just like you never, you can never be like, Oh, like if you've maybe were in the top 10 of the UFC and now you go to fight in one FC, you can't be going there and be like, Oh, well, I was in the UFC. I'm going to fucking smash these guys because that's just not how it works. Cause mm. to make it into any, any top 10 of any sort of, um, fighting organization is no easy feat. And I think people, at that point when they're when they're in the top ten, I mean, to, you spoke about experience earlier, and you obviously learn the hard yards along the way. I mean, you you know that as a fighter. I mean, yeah. you know when you cross over, or and and often you're training with these guys, right? I mean, you see guys are training with the better tool guys or mm. training with PFL guys. They're mm. in the similar camps and that, so they, and they're getting their experience along the, the way. The casual fan mistakes fame for credibility. Mm-hmm. So just because you've never heard of this guy mm-hmm. doesn't mean that he's one of the best in the world. Yeah, and that's what UFC's done well to capitalize on mm-hmm. is because these guys are famous they're the best in the world but mm-hmm. it's not the well, case well look, like bone nickel's getting a massive push now and and, mean, and he's a proper wrestler but and he's I mean, a monster he is a monster but he's had six fights yeah, yeah yeah he's had six fights you know like right now where he is right now to this day probably doesn't beat the top five in the middleweight division but he's getting a big push and he will be champion and he's getting experience right and he will become champion Right now, maybe not, but he will. But they, I think the UFC kind of see like marketing potential mm-hmm. and then they start pushing the guy from when they're young. And you see it with Paddy Pimlet, Sean O'Malley, Sean O'Malley. Sure, yeah. They get like really <laughs> shit, like, to, like tomato cans in their first like five, <laughs> five or six fights in the UFC. 
and they get pushed heavily yeah. and their highlight reel becomes in- insane. Yeah. So guys look incredible. And then the UFC is pushing them. They're mm. famous. And you see them knocking everyone out and you're like, Oh shit, this guy's a killer. But then you get guys like Habib Nurmagomedov when he was on a 13 fight win streak, no one even knew who the fuck he was mm-hmm. because he's not very marketable. Mm. You know, he's just a murderer. That's it. Like, <laughs> same as Leon. Yeah. Same as Leon Edwards. And he, also wasn't, he wasn't getting the fights. I mean, actually, obviously, I'm, I push, I mean, I'm sure there's actually turned down fights. No, in the definitely. Background. They, didn't, they didn't want to see him. They knew what was going and on. And you know why guys turn down those fights? It's because you got a guy who's a killer and no one knows who he is. Mm. You don't want to lose to the unknown guy. Yeah. <laughs> That's so that. true. Yeah. You, you'll take a fight against Habib now because it's Habib. Yeah. Or Connor now because yeah. you know who they are. And you're going to get a big purse. Even if you get fucking smoked, who yeah. cares? It's Habib because everyone knows he's the best. But if, if when he was no one, you don't want to fight him because you're yeah. like, that guy, I can see that guy's a killer. But you that's what this Like Shemaev as well. Yes, exactly. Killer. But he's even getting some talk about him now. But that's but what people was, are running from him and it's clear. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But that's yeah. what was so special about um, McGregor's rise. I mean, his, his talk backed up everything. I mean, he was just pushing it. Every, even from uh, Cage Warriors where, mm-hmm. he, where he came. I mean, his rise was probably the fastest that I've seen and it was... And that's, and that's like that perfect blend of yeah. like promotion yeah. and, and skills. And yeah. he had it like perfect. And his, his style of fighting was, it was nice to watch. Yeah, exactly. I mean, exactly. So he had like the perfect if, if, from blend. From a fan perspective as well. And 100%. as well as I'm sure a purist appreciates a Nergomet of um, mauling. Yeah. I mean, and understands it and sees the technicality around it. So, well, like you're always going to get, you're always going to get the guys that, that get the most sort of like marketing push are going to be the exciting guys that knock everyone out. It's very hard to to mm. push a grappler to the to the average fan. You know, like Deborah who's shopping at Woolworths now isn't gonna fucking <laughs> doesn't want to no, watch no two fans, Deborah <laughs> doesn't want to watch two boys rolling around on the ground. Yeah, yeah, you know, like she wants to go ahead, get fucked up and drunk and watch guys knock someone else out. Yeah. You know, or like you guys, you know, like if you're not like super into MMA, mm. you 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 kind of. You want to see guys fucking get smoked. I mm. mean, like, mm. even me, I, I'm in the sport, but I would much rather watch two guys have a war yeah. than like a technical battle. You yeah. Know? Like, yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. want to see that. That's yeah. what you want to see. So those guys are always going to get the, the biggest push, even though they might not be the number one guys. So do you think, uh, Drickus is going to bring us home our first belt or? To be honest, I think that this opportunity is the best opportunity he has to win yeah. gold. And I think yeah. it's like, it's like the perfect storm of like, just like, the Everything. stars aligning yeah. yeah because the the next three fights for him is going to be you know Adesanya Hamzat Chimaev Bo Nichols these are much more like much much more difficult fights yeah where Sean Strickland's very beatable and I think Drake is going to knock him the fuck out to yeah. be honest yeah 100 <laughs> <laughs> percent. I just I just think it's crazy especially if you look at the trajectory of both fighters mm. if you look at Sean Strickland's mm. rise Anyone who's, who was anyone beat him. Mm. I think Usman beat him at welterweight, Alex Pereira, mm-hmm. Kananier, and then he beats two guys and, and he gets a title mm. shot. Because mm. Drickers fought, yeah. Tough fought his way there. Yeah. So what do you think happened with Adesanya? Like, do you get fighters fatigue or, or do you have those fights where you just, your punch is slower than normal? Like he looked off or is it Sean's game plan that's just countering his game plan so well that to the sort of naked eye, it looks like Adesanya is having an off night. I think it's more um, like things that you don't see. Like Adesanya's had 13 title defenses mm. or 13 main events and it's the mental fatigue. Mm. I think the mental fatigue got to him because that's why a lot of like champions retire or a lot of champions like slip and then they're never the same. It's because the mental fatigue of carrying that belt 
and having to always be the champion and always fighting the remember when you're the champion you're fighting the best guy every time mm. when you're coming up you're fighting prospects you're fighting mid-tier guys and working your way up to the the champion when you're the champion the next guy you fight is the fucking next best guy that's the next guy so your mental fatigue i think that added up and now you got a guy like sean strickland who's talking all this shit to you and you're getting like hyped up about it you're getting like worked up and that's more mental fatigue more things that well, especially that Piera as well, that exactly, whole scene yeah. of having to come back and beat him after exactly. getting beaten. That's triple the mental than a normal. And it's a guy who, who, who wasn't shying away from the fame either. He was embracing mm. it. Yeah. He was even playing into it. Mm. So, that, so that makes it even more draining. Yeah, mm. exactly. And then having to deal with like the trash talk of, of Sean and like, you know, saying all the things that you don't want to hear. Yeah. No one's really done that to Adesanya, you know, like guys will talk about like, oh, his game, like, oh, I'm going to wrestle him and take him down. But no one's like talking about him as a person, you know, mm. because. I think and that gets is, you yeah. a little bit. And Izzy and Drickers back and forth as well. That was also yeah. adding a lot of mental him. fatigue. And I think that's actually what got him more than anything physical. And yeah. a lot of media narrative around it is probably sure. putting your mind through a spin. And I mean, a lot of, a lot of, uh, champions back in the day have also spoken about it. I mean, St. Pierre spoke about it. Um, Jones has spoken about mm. it before. So they've all seen it. Yeah. And they, and I mean, St. Pierre was the one who actually, he, he pulled out before he even got to that stage. Mm-hmm. And also before he got a little bit older when his body started to. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, down. it's much easier to climb the mountain than to stay at the top mm-hmm. of the mountain. So like that, that mental fatigue of having to be the top of your game all the time is, I, I, to be honest, I believe that's what happened with Habib as well. I think, I think the mental fatigue of having to be that guy. He, enough. he was just done. He yeah. did, he did what yeah. he set out to do. His father just passed. I mean, yeah, I think it was just like I, he had set out to do what he did. He's made more money than he, he'll ever spend. That's yeah. enough. Mm. That's enough. And I think that is the way to do it. That is the perfect way to do it. You make, you make your money. You do what you set out to do. You say, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. You go and do that. Once you've done that, there's no need to stick around like Tony Ferguson losing like eight fights in yeah, a row. Yeah. It's like you don't need to stick around Tough, for that. I'll yeah. take for it, man. You don't need to do that. He's just know? taking a beating as well, physically to the head. Well, it's because that, I mean, that mental fatigue of being mm. the boogeyman for so long and having so many fights canceled on you and taken and cutting weight unnecessarily and then getting into wars. And it's just like, it's so many years yeah. of that mental fatigue that you just don't. You don't need. Yeah. So why do you think it's hard for him to let, do you think it's just hard for him to let it go? He just can't give it up? Or? Well, I think, I think a lot of like fighters, like a lot of athletes build their whole entire world around being that person. And I think that's what he's done. I don't think there's much like more depth to like Tony Ferguson other than being Al Kukui. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so like, it's a good point. Yeah. 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 He, he, he thrives on that. He kind that's of, it. So, yeah. Like he every, makes it, you know, it's his identity. His identity is that guy. And I think like that's, that's where you, like where you see like really like prolific champions, like Kabibs, GSPs, that's not who they are only. Mm. They have this whole other thing about them, like Leon Edwards as well. They're like a completely different person to just that person. Exactly. They have like family. They have like a life. Yeah. They have like a regular life. I'm sure they have. Jones has a life outside. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like he has a fucking fun life. (laughs) Shooting guns, driving into people. Jesus. Man's crazy. Man's living, man's living life. (laughs) Yeah. So I think like, I think like that's the, that's the hardest part with that. And you see it with a lot of fighters. I, I, I want to actually ask it just uh, going back a bit now, just as a, a, a sort of USC fan of watched the format, but I mean, 
I'm trying to understand, and maybe if you can try and put a, put a bit of poetic license on it. I mean, what is it like? And maybe you can pick your, your best walkout that you've done. But I mean, what is it like? What are the emotions that you're going through when you're in the back? Mm. Like, what are you feeling? Are you, I, I've heard like things like scared or like, you know, maybe or confidence or like, what is it that maybe you're feeling? And like, just from the back camp to when you enter the mm. cage. Yeah, it's weird. It's like, it's like, um, it's like a blend of like fear, excitement, nerves. It's like, I don't know like how to sort of put it into words. It's like, it's like knowing that tomorrow, like, it's like if you, if you wake up, if you go to bed tonight, you're like, no, you know, tomorrow's going to be the best or the worst day of your life. <laughs> like that's how it feels. Mm. Like anxiety? Like, I guess you could call it that, but I guess excitement's like anxiety as well, you know, like and adrenaline just pulse. Like the next thing is like, and then, then on top of that, now you've got like, weeks of training in you and now yeah. uh, you're like just ready to go so you've got like all your like testosterone like pumping through your veins and you just want to like murder someone you got your coaches and you're saying like you're gonna fucking kill this guy like you're gonna do this um you've built that up in your head and then you've got all these feelings so it's just like this like storm of like energy and when you for me the the, the hardest the hardest part is is um the changing room because you warm up and they're like 10 minutes and then you wait and you're like, fuck it, 10 minutes is gone. <laughs> That's a long And then they come back, minutes. they're like, five minutes. And you're like, what the fuck? It was 10 minutes ago. What are you doing? <laughs> you're like standing, you're like kind of like a caged animal, you know, yeah, you want yeah, to go. Yeah. And then, then when you walk out, it kind of becomes like, like, like nothing, like a blur. Kind of just like, it just disappears. You don't feel anything. Music's pumping. Crowd's kind of like, going. it's kind of like you like get shot out of a cannon. And it's like, there you go. And you just go. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's how it feels for me. And then once, I feel like once you, once the referee's like, are you ready? And it's just like, boom, okay, what am I going to do? What's, what are you going to, like, what is the, what is the goal right now? I'm going to break him down here. I'm going to break him down here. I'm going to do that. I'm going to avoid that. And then just, that's where your mind just starts to go. And then you just kind of use that energy to run off, you know, to, to sort of apply your plan. And that's kind of like how it is for me. It's like, it's, it feels like it's going to be either the best or the worst day of your life. And it's like exciting, but terrifying. Mm. And that's what makes it awesome. Yeah. And is it a rush in there or is it yeah. times where it slows down? I mean, you got to bring your heart rate down a little bit. I suppose. Yeah. To, to be honest, like you, you want to have that, you want to be almost like, almost like you want to like kind of kick back on the couch and relax. But also like you want to like run through a wall and you got like, you got to be right in that, right in that middle, middle pockets. And then I always find like when that happens, everything seems very slow, like super slow. And like, it's almost like the fight goes on way longer than it does. You'll be like, I, I sometimes like, I'll, after like I win a fight and I'll be like, how many rounds is that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you will be like, oh no, it's the first round. I'm yeah. like, what the fuck? <laughs> what? What do you mean? Yeah. Um, Cause it's like, it feels like so slow. It's like you're so dialed in yeah. that you just, nothing feels like, you, it yeah. feels like forever. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's weird. But the feeling of when like you, you finish the guy and then the referee pulls you off and then the crowd's going ballistic and you run, you scream. It's like, you'll never experience that in your life. You'll never experience that in your life. Everyone is like, Oh yeah. I jump a bike over a ramp. I'm like, cool. When else you beat the shit out of a fucking guy <laughs> in front of millions of people and everyone's like, fuck yeah. And you jump and you're like, fuck yeah. Like there's nothing, there's nothing like that. And also like 10 minutes before that, you were like experiencing all yeah, those emotions. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. So it all releases. Like, and you just release and you're just like, yeah. fuck yeah. You know, like it's, 
Yeah. It's exciting. I'm getting revved up right now. <laughs> it's a, it's like if, if I think it, Israel Adesanya said in his last mm-hmm. fight, like if you could experience it once in your life, just yeah. once in your life, like you. I was literally thinking of that. Yeah. It, it's, it's so true. It's like you have to, you have to feel that once in your life. And whether it's like professional fights, or I was, was going to say, should we, should we just start like scrapping one? And then <laughs> to be honest, like start there's so beating many, on Joel, and then I think, every, I think every guy should do a white collar, exactly, just one, exactly, or like even like a grappling competition. Mm-hmm. To be mm-hmm. honest, like just going one on one with a guy, and like feeling that rush of like, mm-hmm. is this guy going to fuck me up? Like, what's going to happen? And then maybe you win, maybe you lose. Mm-hmm. But when you win, you're like, I fucking beat that guy. He's the same <laughs> size as me, and I kicked his ass. Like, yeah. Woo-hoo. Yeah. you know, like that's kind of like, yeah. Every every man needs to know that they can get into a fight and win. I actually just started boxing at uh, Hard Box with Dwayne. Oh, with my, in Seapoint. Yeah, yeah. With my friend Luke Russell, who's doing a white collar march. Yeah. So I'm like his little sparring partner. Shout out Luke Russell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just fucks me up. I put the helmet on and the whole thing. And he just fucks me up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, there's a there's a there's a good quote. I forget who says this. Like, how much does a man know about himself if he's never been in a fight? And I feel like. That's like what draws a lot of people into like doing boxing training or jiu-jitsu training is mm. that they, they get that little taste of like what it's like to be in a fight and you get to learn like, do I cow away or do I get stuck in? When shit gets rough, what do I do? You know, I think like it's a very good sort of like mental thing for, for life, you know, because what you do in the ring is what you'll do in life. hundred percent. If a guy's putting pressure on you and you bitch out, when life puts pressure on you, it's going to, you're going to bitch out. aspect in the, in the, Courtroom and the whole thing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So like, I think it's like something that like every man, I know, like, <laughs> I don't want my, I don't want my son to be a fighter, but I'm, I'm like, at the same time, I'm like, you need to get smacked in your face like once in your life and just, you know, just kind What's of. It's about Muay time, time for well, it. I was, th- I was <laughs> when we were having that discussion, I was thinking about asking you when you're going to put your son into fighting. Cause. So, so he, he 100% will know how to fight. Yeah. So he, like, he's going to start wrestling from three from next year. Um, with BK who fights in the 1FC. He's like an incredible wrestler. So he's going to start wrestling now. And um, I'm going to make him compete in wrestling and jiu-jitsu and grappling. And if he eventually wants to do fighting like like MMA, that's, that'll be up to him, but not up to me. But he, he'll definitely know how to fight. By the time he's like 16, he'll probably fuck me up. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, like that's, that's like he'll definitely know how to fight. And I think that's like more important than then the actual fighting is just knowing that you can defend yourself. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And more importantly, like the people that you care about. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for sure. Maybe just a couple, couple quick, quick fire questions. Yeah. yeah. Um, first, obviously he says, I mean, fight scene and we, it's been growing obviously rapidly. I mean, Africa's has been right. And the UFC are talking about holding an adventure at some point. They're baiting us as well. Mm. Um, <laughs> where do you think they'll hold it? Um, Probably Pretoria. If Jekyll wins the title, it'll oh, be yeah. Pretoria. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Mm-hmm. So, 21st Jan, Jekyll's by knockout, right? <laughs> I think by knockout. I think by knockout for sure. Either first or second round. You putting money on it? I'll probably place a bet, yeah. <laughs> I think I'll get good odds. Yeah, I'll get good odds. <laughs> Is Sean the favorite? Sorry to interrupt. I'm not sure yet, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure you... I think it'll be quite I close. I don't see how Sean can be the favorite. I'm pretty sure it'll be like, close. quite close. Be yeah. quite because close. Sean, like Sean's record... Um, it's most dis- mostly decisions, whereas Trickus yeah. is mostly finishes. Mm. Um, I think Trickus is 
most of his fights in the EFC were submissions, but most mm. in the UFC are, are finishes. Yeah, I mean, the whereas lo- um, where Strickland mostly decision. Mm-hmm. So as long as the longer the fight goes, Strickland gets. It's but I mean, that, I, mean I guess Str- that that shows that Strickland is durable. I mm. say, so, yeah. So there, True. he's he's the. And maybe his defense he's the underdog. Well, right? I know he's the underdog. He's a plus plus three hundred or mm. plus no 130. plus one thirty. Yeah, slight, but yeah, slight. But yeah, that that looks accurate because he is fighting against the champion. Yeah, you have to come up with the champion. Yeah, I mean he beat Adesanya. Yeah, still exactly. crazy together. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, what's the hardest or toughest fight you've had? Whether it's Muay Thai, whether it's been in MMA. Um. So for Muay Thai, it would definitely be. I've lost. Twice to the same Thai, Thai guy in, in Thailand. Um, his name was Panom and he was f- the first time he, he stopped me and the second time I lost the decision to him. That was really, really tough. Um, really skilled fighter, like ranked number two in Larajan I've known, like really, really, really good. Um, and then MMA, I would say like not because the fight itself was like that hard, but just because of like most of the time you can, when you fight someone, you, you can kind of like get a read on someone. But I think the toughest fight I had was against Boyd Allen. Okay. Only because you can't get, I couldn't get a read on him, you know, like, he, like kind of like cold expression. So you don't, couldn't. Slick boxing. Like that, normally. That's a Hall of Fame fight. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like norm, normally you hit someone, you can see like, oh, I've got you, bitch. But you hit him and like, there was like nothing on his face. And then <laughs> the, his and facial then, expression changes then, ever. <laughs> and then the stare down, there was like nothing on his face. Usually I can like see the guy's eyes. Okay. This guy's going to come or this guy's a bitch or whatever. You know, like I know I've got you, but him stuff. And in the whole fight, I was like, fuck, am I, is this guy hurt? Am I hurting him? Like what's happening here? Yeah. So he was definitely the toughest. Okay, and in, so. and in camp? In training. Yeah. Sure. Uh, that's <laughs> tough. There's been so many tough guys. I think. Probably like some of my toughest rounds in training were probably being against Elena Lunga. I don't know if you guys know. Yeah. He fights in Brave. Um, yeah, he's, he's a really, really talented fighter. He's just, you know, like had a couple unlucky, unlucky bad, bad matchups. Mm-hmm. Um, but unreal fighter. But yeah, definitely some of my t- toughest rounds were against him. Um, and then I would say also probably Chad Hanukkah. Just because he's a fucking unit. <laughs> um, yeah, so like the, those two guys definitely have given me some of the toughest rounds in, in like sparring for sure. Yeah, I'm sure plenty more you can add. Yeah. yeah. I have a question. Who would you fight um, in the history of the sport? Who would you be, who would your number one competitor, like who would you want to fight the most? Sure. Just, I think just to feel, just to feel them, I would love to fight Khabib. Oh, really? Cause everyone yeah. talks about like how he feels when he, when he grabs you. Yeah. Like, I just want to, I want to feel, I want to yeah. feel like what, what all the hype's about. I want to be like, Oh shit. I see. I see what these guys are talking about. Yeah, or yeah. be like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? You know, like, yeah. I, I don't yeah. know. I okay. want to, I would love that. Yeah. So, so to give a bit more co- context to that, if you guys maybe didn't pick it up, but in jujitsu, a lot of the time, your, how someone is, is, um, I guess, looked at in terms of quality or is the weight or the pressure that they can put mm-hmm. on you mm-hmm. okay and for obviously you're fighting in a division lightweight you guys are essentially meant to wear the same weight yeah. maybe not on the on the evening but a guy who's meant to wear your weight can weigh mm. or feel like he weighs 20 kgs heavier than you but gotcha. but what is that mm. yeah you, you can't it's not uh tangible it's just how heavy the skill feel. how yeah yeah, yeah. And also they, like there's like possible there's like other things like, like someone squeeze, you know, like you yeah. can be, you can be really like strong, 
but not have like a good squeeze. Yeah. And you can also be like not that strong and have a fucking mm-hmm. good squeeze. But that's what you can see it on their backs. Yeah. Like, so I, like, I want to, I want to <laughs> feel like what that I've trained with like a few Dagestanis and Chechnyans and stuff in my yeah. time. Yeah. And, um, you know, they all have like a very similar style and I would like to feel what differentiates him from mm-hmm. the rest. Crazy. Yeah. And then maybe, maybe around the room, you know, your MA goat. Sure. Oh. <laughs> Number one, man. One best of all time. Only one. You only get one time. Your favorite, like, is it your favorite? Is it a preference thing? Is it yeah, a who do you think is thing? the greatest of all time? Oh, and yeah, well, you could yeah, say it has to be John Jones. But my favorite fighter is DJ Demetrius Johnson. That was like yeah. the one I enjoyed watching mm. the most. Roscoe. So I'd have to say my favorite what is Connor because he brought me to the sport. So like I have to kind of give it to him. He, that's why I started watching MMA. So I definitely have to say Connor would be my favorite fighter. I also obviously love other fighters. Mm-hmm. Um, the goat for me, sure. You'll probably have to say, I, I want to say Habib, but you have to say John Jones. It's like, it's, you have to. Yeah, difficult to compare all of them. I mean, yeah. I, I would even, I mean, also George, George St. Pierre when he was running mm-hmm. through yeah. I mean, he fought some animals, but I mean, I think just on record, John Jones. And then favorite would probably be between, like George and early stage Connor when he was on the rise, yeah. when he was just waxing through X until he took out older, and then I think Sean, nigger. you know, Sugar Sean's going to be the goat soon. So <laughs> <laughs> could be. I mean, he's no, gotten really, really slick in the last couple of fights. <laughs> but even though it's like BJ Penn back in the day, yeah, he's yeah. Slick. Mm. Yes. And yours? Yeah. I don't know. I think so. I think goat is undoubtedly John Jones. Like mm. I think like that's unanimous around the board mm. um but favorite fight i would say is probably a toss-up between george st pierre and i want to say anderson silver mm. just like a, my all-time favorite to watch i mean i think a lot of people like forget about how good anderson silver was when mm. he was good like so, so good do you think adesanya's he hasn't taken that sort of seat from i don't think so because adesanya fought silver in his prime and went the distance mm. And Silver was like not Silver his prime, but even yeah. even not just from the fight, just from his career versus Anderson Silver. I still don't think. I still okay. don't think because if no. you look at the quality of fighter that Anderson Silver fought, like Vito Balfour, Leo, not Leo Rivera, um, Talis Leitches, he fought Leo too. Fought Leo too. Like mm. if you look at the the level of fighters that he went up against in that era, mm. compared to the level of fighters that. Arasanya, even though he fought a lot of great fighters, yeah, yeah. it's just not not comparable, you know. And same, that's the argument for John Jones is like, yeah, he was the champ when like there was just killers all yeah, around. Yeah, he's also crossed over both those sort of areas. Yeah, but he exactly. Also, he also he's put everyone around. away in the way that he put them away as exactly, well. Exactly. So yeah. he was entertaining, and yeah. I guess that's the that's the what you see with Anderson when he's sort of like George St. Pierre, you would say retired at the right time, mm. right? Even had a, had a decision go his way. I mean, when he fought, uh, I, I forget the extent. Johnny, Johnny, Johnny Henderson. Yeah, yeah Hendricks. Yes. Hendricks. Um, but I mean, with Anderson, he probably was on, on there for a bit too long. Yeah, after, I mean, I think after you have that kind of injury, it's kind of time to call yeah. it a day. Jeez. I mean, you got knocked down by Jack Paul. You know? I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I think, I think once he got carried by Chris Weidman, he came back to try and re- avenge that. Broke his leg. I think that's yeah, that was it. That's yeah. the universe saying, "Yeah, it's time. It's time, bro. Hang him up." So, what do you think about talking about broken legs? Conor McGregor versus Chandler. I think Michael Chandler's gonna knock him out. Mm. 
very, very quickly. I just don't think, I just don't think Connor has the, the drive. No, I just think like his, the mental fatigue of mm. the, of being Connor McGregor mm. doesn't allow him to go into the gym and be Connor McGregor anymore. It's, he's just not that guy anymore. Mm. And it's like that coupled with like his success and his like luxury life and stuff. And then also he's lost like four fights in a row. Like that's always going to be playing in your head. head yeah. Regard, like you can always come back from one loss, even two losses, but four in a row to lose five. That's sitting there. Oh, yeah. It's very difficult. Yeah. And against Michael Chandler. Yeah. Like Michael Chandler's, yeah, he hasn't as great record in the UFC, but he's only fought the best guys. Yeah. And he hits hard. He's a dog. And yeah. he's not going to cut weight for this fight. They're going to fight at 85. Like it's, <laughs> and Connor's become a bit of a dick. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and you know, like Connor, I love when Connor was coming up, like loved him. I thought he was incredible. Like most unreal rise. Just mm. like unreal. Yes. Mm. Just like his aura was like, just like Hollywood. Oh God, like yeah. unreal. Just yeah. beautiful. Like beautiful to watch. Yeah. I mean, and the, the Irish support. I mean, mm. <laughs> so watching those, uh, like, Pre-fight press conferences unreal. when they're singing and they're going off and Aldo's just like hating yeah. life. Just <laughs> so good. Like that, that was like, yo, know, one of my like favorite periods of MMA. Yeah. 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 So good. For sure. So many, I brought so many eyes to the sport. But I definitely think Chandler's going to start him early. Yeah. Mm. And for you, so PFL season this year. Huh? Yeah. We're going to be keeping an eye. Yeah. So we haven't announced the dates, but it's usually between March and April okay. that, they, that they get things going. So you don't know your fighting streak or like who you're going to be up against? Or? No. Okay. They usually tell you that like a couple of weeks out. Yeah, it's quite, a, I mean, you won't have much time to prep for the fighter. The, the reality is that like in a season, you're probably going to fight the same guy twice. Okay. So it's like. Okay. And how does it work? Just run me through. So it's, is it a, two sides of the board? Is it a. Okay. Yeah. So like you. Get drawn. Yeah, you fight that guy. You qualify for the the next fight, and then you go to the playoffs. So okay. you'll yeah. fight like two guys from the opposite bracket. Yeah, and then whoever has the most points from their fights will qualify. Okay, yeah. decision versus yeah. knockout. Yeah, versus exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's the number one guy in the like welterweight? So he just he was yeah. the guy I was supposed to fight last year. He went on to win the title. Um, Dagestani guy, but I think he's gonna retire. He's like close to forty. Well, we'll be watching. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad. Okay, cool. Well, I think um, we've run our course. That was sick. Thank you yeah. so much for thanks, sharing guys. that journey. Yeah, thanks for coming on. But before you go, we always like to put the guest on the spot and ask <laughs> for just a sort of like a little motivational piece or whatever it is to kind of give the listeners before they head into the weekend. It generally gets released on a Thursday, just sort of like a... Because it's like diet starts Monday. The whole mm. mantra of the pod is to sort of get people off the seat and gets whatever's in front of them done so yeah so Rish, do you want to go first <laughs> <laughs> i'm not the guest <laughs> um i would say you can fail at what you don't want to do so you might as well fucking go for it bang <laughs> <laughs> love so that sweet makes sense thanks nice. for listening thanks again for coming on and we'll see you guys next time boom cheers, cheers.